www.sfwar.org. You are warmly invited to KPFA's Estate Planning and Charitable Giving Seminar Wednesday, April 26, 6 p.m. at Thousand Oak Baptist Church, 1821 Catalina Avenue near Solano Avenue in Berkeley. For more information, call 510-848-6767, extension 609. We look forward to seeing you on Wednesday, April 26, at 6 p.m. And you're listening to KPFA, KPFV in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno. Online at kpfa.org. Stay with us for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule So divide up those in darkness From the ones who walk in light Light them up, boys, there's your picture Drop the shadows This is Jennifer Stone. Yes, always begin with a little bit of um, Kurt Weill and Berthold Brecht, a whiff of Weimar for our times. I was looking in my New Yorker, and by golly, Three Penny Opera is making a comeback to Broadway, folks. It's happening again. It never gets old. Three Penny Opera, originally the Beggar's Opera. Would you believe that in the new production, Cindy Lauper is playing the Lottie Lenya part, Jenny? <laughs> I cannot believe it. Today, I have brought a songster and a poet to the studio because we're having a poetry goodie this weekend. Poets, I've got poets coming out of the ears today. Today, it is Louis Cuneo, spelled C-U-N-E-O. Now, Louis, tell me what kind of a name that is, C-U-N-E-O. I believe it's it is Italian. You're an Italian. And okay. uh, I traced my that name back to ancient, ancient Cartridge. Ah, Carthage. My Carthage, but I, I traced it back to there. That's awesome. My favorite Italians would be, of course, Cristina Rossetti. And her good brother, Dante Gabriel Rossetti. You know, he was the drug fiend. Okay, yeah. I'm looking here. We got a Berkeley Poetry Festival coming up, folks. The 6th Annual, 2006. And Lewis is pretty much the mover and shaker who puts this together. Are you the, the boss of this, as I used yes. to Yes. You are the boss of this. Completely. Okay. We've got Jack Hirschman as San Francisco's Poet Laureate. And me, c'est moi. And Jack and Adele Foley, you know from Cape Yafe Wednesdays. And everybody knows Julia Vinograd, our Telegraph Avenue bubble lady and street poet. She's the one who said profoundly many years ago, yes, the trouble with poets is nobody shoots them. 
<laughs> Within a year, a friend of mine had taken a, a, a what was it, a small, um, not a shotgun, but a, a pistol. T- <laughs> you know, I think it was just a thigh wound, but by God, one of our poets had been shot. Lucy Day. I was with Lucy Day um, this past Sunday at the Ana de Leon Jazz Club. It's at 2120 um, Alston Way, and I've just discovered that place. It's a wonderful bar. It looks like the old days. It looked like the 50s. Really? Yeah, you got to come over there and read. Uh, I, there's there's some featured readers Sunday, and there were a lot of us, but it's basically um, one of those nice dark bars, but it looks like the old days. It's a jazz, jazzy feeling, but... Uh, Lucy was there, and several others. Who else? We've got Randy Fingland. There's a long, long list here of people, and I don't want to just run off names because Lewis is going to read for us today. What I'll tell you is where it is and who we are honoring. We are honoring a Lifetime Achievement Award is going to Maggie Meyer. Maggie is not able to be with us because she's in hospital, and we sent her all best wishes and heartfelt wishes for her uh, eminent, uh, what is that, blooming and blossoming. She's 90 years old, and she's not well. And we had hoped she could come to the reading. So what we'll have to do is just gift her there. What can we do, Louis, to What do you do to honor somebody when they can't be physically present? Give good thoughts about the person. And we'll read, we'll read a few poems in yes. honor. Anyway, all the poets are invited to participate. There will be an open mic between features. So all those of you who've just been dying to get up and read one poem and get, get started, yes. Featured readers from the Bay Area Poetic Community Touch of a Poet series. Open mic readers must arrive before noon. Okay, gotta get there before noon, folks. A noon is the, the last call. The how is being done is Open uh, 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 it's an open lottery. Everybody puts a name in a bag, and fourteen names will be chosen from that bag. And there's a poets exchange table. It's a good idea to bring if you have some chat books or poems you'd like to exchange. Actually, a lot of poets I've noticed lately are doing just beautiful um, printed broadsheets. I kind of like that method because the last time I sent out a book of poems with the uh, hope of getting them published. I got back this peculiar letter that said, these things do not belong between two covers. They're too disparate, you know. And I said, well, you know, then I'd have to write one poem from the first page to the last page to make it all connect. I said, life is various and there are many different ways. They said, no, you can't mix the comedy and the tragedy and you can't mix the uh, um, sublime and the ridiculous. And I said, well, <laughs> you know, this gets a little little crazy making uh, it's like the last time I did a book of essays, they said the same thing. You cannot have things that are uh, serious, you know, like politics, and then things that are frivolous, like women writers. <laughs> no, because they don't belong in the same basket. Oh, this terrible world we live in. Anyway, this event is taking place at the North Berkeley Senior Center, uh, main auditorium. It's 1901 Hearst Street. 1901 Hearst Street, MLK Way in Berkeley. It's right here by KPFA. And uh, if you really need a lot more information about this event, you can call in the Five and Dime area code. You can call 981-5190. 
and they will tell you where to go and what to do. The sponsors of this event are Mother's Hen, City of Berkeley, Panoramic Interest, Bay Area Poets Coalition, Lean Frog, goodness knows. Anyway, it's open mic poets, featured readers, and the event is free, folks. No money need uh, uh, come out of your wallet Saturday, 12 to 6 p.m., April 29th. I must remember to say that before we go off the air. Otherwise, everyone will call the station. April 29th, this Saturday, 12 to 6. I will be there, and I will try to say something fairly funny. I, I don't know... Sunday, I got up to read, and I said, well, what shall we do? Shall we be serious and then go to funny or go the other way around, you see? Which is the proper style? For Some kind woman in the audience yelled. She said, do the serious stuff first and get it over with. <laughs> that was That's funny. That was, a, that was a blow. That was a blow. And I thought, you know, she's right. She's right. Nobody wants to hear the heavy-duty stuff. Everybody's just... What's the word? We're, we're more than weary. You were saying before we started, Lewis, that you felt a little old. I, I'm, I'm past that. I, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can say is I used to tell students, I used to say, write, write as if you were already dead. <laughs> and I thought, boy, oh boy, I'm there. You know, I'm there. I don't care anymore. I do not care. You know, when you're on the radio a lot, I keep trying not to say anything wrong, not to say anything that isn't politically incorrect, and to try, you know, otherwise people call up and give you holy hell, you know. There's one good woman who calls me up the other day, what was it, she objects that I trivialize writers, I had said Charlie Dickens, I think, and uh, uh, Eddie Poe, or something like that, you know, uh, Willie Shakespeare, that kind of thing, and she, she found all that just drove her nuts, you know, and I thought, okay, okay, I have sinned, she's right, that's trivializing the artist, no, trying to be all things to all people, uh, what is that, said Jane Austen, she says, Perfection is a really second-rate talent. <laughs> second-rate talent, indeed. Never mind. Why don't you, Lewis, give us a spin on something that you think... I was going to say, I brought a bunch of war poems today, and they saddened me so. I just, you know, I, I never... It's like I've been in plenty of domestic wars, but this this great world war that seems to be just on simmer everywhere, you know... It's that line Audrey Lord says, never leave your pen lying in somebody else's blood. I don't quite know how to address it, but uh, what about the war? What have you got on the war? Nothing? Good. Nothing at all. Good. Good. Wonderful. Nothing. Wonderful. Okay, I'm going to read one about Cassandra before we're through, but you, you give me one of yours first. Okay. This is called Nagging Fact. Still being in state of confusion about the situation, barely able to see what's in front of me, this nagging fact, ripping, biting, eating at my insides, hourly, daily. I have caused it by being wrong. Wrong thought, wrong action. Wrong action. It's doing something wrong. You wrong find, 
accept and, re- accept and responsibility for uh, making a mess of the situation and it's causing such la- a ramifications that you really can't deal with them and you and every time you start to place blame anywhere else, you have to look in the mirror because you caused it yourself. The man in the mirror, Michael Jackson's, uh, I was trying to think the other night, somebody said that the poetry now was all elitist and they couldn't stand it because uh, the academics and so on. I said, you know, elitist poetry is for the elitist people in the population. The folks, the people on the ground need honesty, they need... Uh, we call folk wisdom. They they get it in their mostly in our world. They get it from the songwriters, our poets. Well, Bob Dylan, you know, from Bob Dylan on. But uh, I was thinking last night of the Zen precepts, uh, you know, about what is wrong and what is not. And uh, I, I you know I was listening to those people at the trial where the guy who you know the guy who says he wanted to blow up the twin towers or the whatever and my mind reels i thought things were fairly simple um but right and wrong now seem to me very confusing uh uh i don't know uh wrong deeds i can get my hands on a little bit wrong thinking that's harder uh have you got a poem about being right yes okay feeling great it's called moment Today, right now, at this moment, I'm taken off from the daily routine without any guilt, any uncertain futuristic situations, any emotional up and downs, any present economic needs or or any sadness in my family. I'm feeling good about myself and life. I guess... One could call me a very blessed person. I certainly would agree. Funny, I have just realized I can't remember when this moment happened in the last 20 years. Well, now, there you see. There you see. I would say that is wrong thought because you know, you know you have been happy. We have all been happier than we knew. But that's because I just want to argue with you. <laughs> now, you know that. I was talking to my younger son about this the other day, you know. And then those of us poetic types who insist, you know, that happiness has eluded us. I just wonder sometimes, you know. I, I find so much happiness in sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, we're wicked, wicked hypocrites, you know. Nothing is more fun than, what's that, uh, not masochism, but I remember once an old uh, boyfriend saying uh, how much I enjoyed my suffering. And I said, well, somebody asked. <laughs> yes. you know? I mean, what else have I got, baby? <laughs> you know? Never mind. Give us something else to think about, Lewis. Little haikus. I, I started off writing with haikus, and I'll just read a couple haikus. And after Jennifer is finished with reading her poem, I'd like to talk about the festival a little bit, uh, and which is the purpose of why 
we get the support from the community. The first one, daydreaming, being on Lost Coast Beach for miles. Mall closed, totally silent with moving leaves. 2 a.m. in parking lot. Cut finger few days ago, still hurts. Street of memories in front, yet viewing it as a placed place of past. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting, those cut fingers. I couldn't get my son Peter to... Uh, let me put iodine on his stitches this morning. He said, I'll treat this myself. He said, I will treat this myself. Let's see. We're about halfway through. Let me do my Cassandra poem. I wanted to tell everybody, let's see, this week or next week, I have a collection I want to recommend to you called Women on War, an international anthology of writings from antiquity to the present. It has been my poetry reading for a month or two, and uh, uh, that's really kind of a head full or a heart full. I try not to read it at two in the morning because, <laughs> you know, it's, I understand. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's really loaded. I mean, all the way from Emma Goldman to Rosa Luxemburg to Edna Millay to Gwendolyn Brooks. It's just every woman that you can think of is in here, Arundhati Roy, uh, all of them have contributed to this collection. Uh, as you know, women are less less enthusiastic about war than some guys, but that's a generality, and I wouldn't want to be <laughs> accused of that. Anyway, <clears throat> it's edited with an introduction by Daniela uh, Giuseffi, G-I-O-S-E-F-F-I. That would be Italian. So if you're looking for an anthology about women on war, if you're teaching courses in <laughs> geopolitics or in <laughs> on feminism, you might check it out. Uh, I took out a few pieces by Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, my older son downloaded me a wonderful piece by Eleanor Roosevelt that I want to share with you at some future date. Uh, Eleanor, you know... Uh, was responsible for writing the United Nations, um, uh, what do we call it, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, kind of like our Constitution. That happened back in 1948. And I got my son to download that for me to give to a friend who is convinced, she keeps telling me that um, a woman is not capable of being the President of the United States or looking at the world as a whole, I said, if Eleanor could write this piece back in 1948, you know, I, I think we can count on um, uh, one of the girls to be uh, capable of uh, spelling the names right. Yes. Uh, in any case, what I found this week, I wanted to share with you because I thought maybe somebody knows, it is very rare for the New Yorker to publish a poem without giving any description of the contributor. They have the name uh, under contributor's notes. It's called C.K. Williams. And I was going to call the editor and get permissions and everything, and I thought, no, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. You can do that, it says, under the Fair fair, uh, <laughs> fair Use Act. Uh, but 
I'm going to assume that this is written by a woman, but I don't know because there's no biography. This is by C.K. Williams. It's called Cassandra, Iraq. She's magnificent, as we imagine women must be who foresee and foretell and are right and disdained. This is the difference between we who are like her in having been right and disdained and we as we are. Because we in our foreseeings are having been right are repulsive to ourselves, fat and immobile like toads. Not toads in the garden, who, after all, are what they are, but toads in the tale of death in the desert of sludge. In this tale of lies, of treachery, of superfluous dead, were there ever so many who were right and disdained, with no notion of what to do next? If we were true seers, as prescient as she, as frenzied, we'd know what to do next. We'd twitter as she did, like birds. We'd warble, we'd trill. But what would it be, really, to twitter, to warble, to trill? Is it like having a child? Is it, oh, 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 like a wound? Or is it inside like a blow, silent to everyone but yourself? Yes, inside, I remember. Oh, 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 it's where grief is just about to be spoken, but all at once can't be. Oh, when you no longer can think of what? Things like lies, like superfluous dead, so many might mean. Oh, oh, Cassandra will be abducted at the end of her tale and die. Even she can't predict how. Stabbed, shot, blown to bits. Her abductor dies, too, though, in a gush of gore, in a net. That we know, she foresaw that, in a gush of gore, in a net. This is such a peculiar poem. Shot, no guns in ancient, <laughs> in ancient Greece, but I think it is fascinating, yes, Cassandra is not a woman who has any time. We call it the Cassandra syndrome, but it's funny because everybody's had it. We all knew, oh, for years we've known what's happening long before it happened. And we didn't stop it. This is the weirdest damn That's thing. That's right. I was raised to believe that what is known has something to do with what happens. But now it doesn't do any good for anybody to know anything because every time... Uh, you know, what is it? We're all of us yelling, oh, way ahead of time, you know. I, I don't know why I keep laughing at this strange phenomenon. Was it they said, oh, Colin Powell was convinced. I said, it would be ridiculous. Nobody ever believed any of that. They hypnotized themselves into saying it. He admitted it in public. He, the staff, 
and himself didn't believe the documentation from the White House. He has said it. He said it himself. Uh, so it's not my opinion. Is is a document? Of course, you know. I think maybe I don't remember it correctly, but I, I think that Vietnam was a learning experience. There were still too many Americans who thought that you know something domino theory that you know they believed that there was a danger that was World War Two hangover or something. But um, within oh a year or two, um, I mean, my brother was there. I remember. Uh, guy at the, the wall, the morning wall in Washington, he said, well, the first casualty was in the 50s. He said that was an officer got up, they were watching a movie. He said it was a Jeannie Crane movie and watching a movie. He was one of the advisors over in Vietnam. He said that was the first guy to be shot. He said, and I knew that um, the war was starting and that it would be a useless war, you know. I, I, I guess it seemed to me that I knew before my brother left to go over there. And I remember saying so to him. And he said, well, you think you're so smart, you're such an intellectual, but I can put guys in front of you who could explain to you the reasons why and blah, blah, blah. And uh, uh, he's a quadriplegic now. But I think we look at the world, uh, what is that? Those of us who are right, we're self-righteously right. It's called the Manus' Destiny. Uh, we believe in that now, and the American public as a whole has accepted it. We have a right to free the world from the demons and give them democracy no matter what. We had it since 1820. And, uh, and so what, uh, what's happening in Iraq is the same thing what happened in uh, with the Mexican-American War, the war against the Indians, the war against the um, the Spanish, the war against this, the war against the Filipinos. It's the same story. And um, unless the American public says, we don't believe in the mass and destiny, we live as an equal within the, uh, mm. uh, um, with other nations. Yep. We will have a Colin Powell, we'll have a Bush, we'll have a, we have these, these monsters will pray and use patriotism for their own advantages to expand the interest of, of the money of this country to take over every economic system and make everything dependent on America is called Pax America. Pure, yeah. pure and simple. There's no place like Rome. That's right. <laughs> it's it's so interesting because, you know, it comes on every... Le I mean, if you go all the way back to, what is it, Alex the Macedonian madman with this, I will make one world, he says. That's that right. His excuse, you know, for conquering all the way to India. But that will to power, that thing, I, associated mostly with males, but women have their role, too, as complicitous. Uh, but that is it. I've always wondered... Whether it's that psychology, Virginia Woolf says it's the, the pathology, the psychosis, the drive for power. Other people say it's economics. I think they just, they just go together. They're the two, like, a team exactly. of horses. Exactly. You know? And so that's, unless we say no to the whole Monroe Doctrine, to everything that is being placed, these are almost a century and a half old documents that has been uh, used for every uh, uh, change of government. We have changed 14 governments since the Hawaiian takeover. 14 governments. 
and dropped them. Used uh, uh, used uh, uh, weapons of mass destruction twice. Uh, and and unless we say no to this, uh, we're going to continue. Looks like human nature is constant, and you know, so many other things have developed, but. Our basic human nature doesn't seem to change. This has been Jennifer Stone talking to Louis Cuneo, and we only just barely got started, darlings. We just barely got started. Saturday, we will both be over here at the North Berkeley Senior Center. We'll be there from 12 noon to 6. If you want to be one of the uh, open mic readers, you got to get there before 12 and be part of the lottery. It's the Berkeley Poetry Festival, 6th Annual. It's at 1901 Hearst Street at the North Berkeley Senior Center Main Auditorium. And we will just hang one on there and um, we'll tell some stories, folks, and read some poetry. I look forward to seeing you then. Until then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. One year ago, Counterpulse Arts and Performance Space opened its doors, and we've had an incredible first year supporting emerging artists and activists. Sunday, April 30th, you are invited to celebrate our first anniversary May Day party, featuring felonious One Love Hip Hop, Harlem Shake Burlesque, No Origin, Samsara, Eat Cake, Aerialist Emily Leap, and DJ Likewise. Counterpulse first anniversary celebration, Sunday, April 30th, 1310 Mission Street at night. 8 p.m. show with dancing until midnight. 10 to $20 sliding scale, no one turned away. That's www.counterpulse.org. And you're listening to KPFA, KPFC in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno, online at kpfa.org. Stay with us for free speech radio news.